0: except this time, for once, one of the only times ever. It's actually the morning here in the Space Lounge. But welcome, nonetheless, to another fabulous episode of Go Mode Tonight. I mean, that's only vocally focused, not that weekly, but periodic comedy podcast. Uh, So this morning, hey, it's Veterans Day. Um, Happy Veterans Day to our service members. Um, It's also, it'll be Diwali tomorrow, so... Um, happy Festival of light to those who celebrate. And we're here in the morning in the Space Lounge. I'm your host, Christy Loretto, with my lovely co-host.
1: Zoe
0: And a very special guest today, Mike Jackman of Jackman Radio. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
2: Nice to see you. You're very welcome. I think that this is kind of like uh, long overdue. Uh, it's it's the most ambitious crossover since Infinity Wars.
0: It's, I, I completely agree. I completely, You know, like it was like... Got to be like six months or almost a year ago. Kevin Brace was like, you know, you really got to be aware of these guys. Like you, you guys, you guys got to do, you guys got to like, you know, cross over and collaborate. And um, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad that the, uh, the 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 streams came together
2: here. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Uh, there's a lot. There's a great local scene, man. There, there really is. And uh, you know, I think eventually, uh, eventually the, the scenes, you know, they they diverge and they find each other.
0: You know. Indeed. Indeed. Exactly important lesson for those of you out there um, perhaps some good advice to take um, but yeah it's a, it's actually you know we are have been saying that we kind of hate the month of November typically but like you know sometimes November can be
2: kind of lovely I really hate the cold but it's not that bad out there I don't know how you feel about it I don't mind the cold um, you know my most of my family is from Newfoundland, Canada, so we kind of. Oh right, yeah. I, I tell people my father was born on an iceberg, you know. So, uh, the snow and the ice, I'm not so big on. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, I I, I think winter is a little bit too long around these parts. It could it could is be, it, it could is. maybe be like three months shorter. I, I completely agree. Pretty out there right now, though. It's beautiful, man. November is beautiful right now, and and we had a lovely October. October is my favorite month. Um, oh, nice! It is the month of my birth, but I was going to say yes. You you have a strong ties to October. Yeah, I, I do love I love the fall time in New England. I know it's a bit stereotypical and a little a little uh, cliche, but uh, you know, hey, we've got people. There's coming, a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have people from all over, guys, coming to look at our dead leaves, our dying That's leaves. Completely true, right? Completely it's a cottage true. industry.
0: Yeah, we took a stroll this morning around the Cathedral of the Pines yeah. uh, in Ringe, the town of the future. Um, and uh yeah, well, there was there was at least a couple of really pretty trees that that were still hanging on it's to like like one layer yeah. of yellow leaves left. You know, oh yeah, pretty yeah. But
1: usually I've I've thought November was like ugly and cold. But, it can like, be depressing. But like the snow at least kind of brightens things up, and so that's kind of why. no November has been so not my favorite month that I like planned my children so that they would not have birthdays in November. Like that was like my number one goal. I was like, they just can't be born in November because I don't know if I can love them enough (laughs) if they have this birthday. But this year, you know, I'm changing, I'm changing my feelings.
2: The the seasonal depression is real. It's a very real thing. It is. It (laughs) is.
0: But you know, I I like, you know, as the years have gone on, I, I have learned to start supplementing with vitamin D, like as October winds down and then we shift those clocks, you know, I get a little prep from that, you know, because I am—I am on the other hand, my ancestors are not from anywhere where it is cold. Well, I shouldn't say that; they're actually from mountainous regions in Italy, um, so it isn't—it isn't always warm. It's
1: still sunny. Sunny, sunny even here. Sunny,
0: not, not like November here, you know. And so I am a bit of a creature of the sun, and so when I, I when I start getting depleted, uh, it's obvious to me, you know what I mean. So like it helps though to to you know just give myself a little dose of the artificial sun
2: have you guys ever been to italy to visit
0: or no my believe it or not my parents are there right now for the first time ever it's like the trip of a lifetime for them Um, i I hope to follow in those footsteps uh someday as well um but yeah good for them shout out to mom and dad out in um amalfi today my dad's birthday tomorrow actually so happy birthday dad Oh,
2: cool (laughs) happy birthday mr de that's awesome
1: yeah i i was in italy for like four days at age 15 and like hearing about his parents' trip, I'm just like, man, that was wasted on me. You know, I got to go back. I was like, I remember a few little things and I'm like, man, there's just so many things I didn't know about. Didn't like know to care about. So yeah. Have to try again sometime.
2: Yeah. That happens when you're younger, when you go to places. Like I remember when I was younger, I went to New York city and DC and I didn't totally appreciate the scope of it. And uh, yeah,
0: but now totally. that I'm older,
2: I you know I don't even I don't really like going to the city that much. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a bit of a country boy these days.
0: Yeah, I hear that.
2: Peterborough, I, I love being here in Peterborough, though, guys. It's uh it, it, it's it's a great spot.
0: Yeah, great and actually, spot.
2: so that's a that's a good segue here because um I I
0: know that you are you know and I you know it's a, a dangerous thing to say some some people you know kind of uh may even go like a discrimination kind of route you know but i know like myself i don't mean to out you but like you you are a massachusetts boy um i was born there i lived there for the first 10 years of my life yeah so how did you wind your way to peterborough did you move did
2: you move up here at 10 or did you um what how was how was your journey yeah so um we actually moved to Ringe when i was 10 i grew up in Ringe. oh okay I Ringe earlier yeah now um, in the future it really is. I mean, you can't get any land there these days. There's no real estate. It's hard to get a house there, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, we moved from the Framingham Ashland, Massachusetts area, you know, mm-hmm. just outside of Boston when I was 10 and grew up in Ringe And then I lived in Jaffrey for a couple of years and now I've been in here in Peterborough since, uh, 2017. Yeah. So nice. I, I found, found my way here and uh, I live with my brother here in town and, um, you know, I, I I feel really lucky and fortunate to live here in this part of the world where, you know, we, we live in in relative peace and it's safe and there's low crime and it's a, uh, you know, it's a high trust uh, high trust situation here. I don't take that for granted because there's a lot of me either. A lot of places on the planet that are that are are, uh, are are not uh, you know they're 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 violent and well they're they're just you know, it's not really solid ground you know. Yeah. A lot of people struggling all over the world. So I don't, I don't take that for granted one bit. Whew,
0: yeah. It's a tough. It's a, it's a tough world out there. Um, you know, no, yeah, no joke. And, and, you know, uh, somebody was just accusing me last night online of like hating, hating it here or something, which I, I think is an incredibly superficial reading of my occasional or frequent criticism, you know, because I do love it here. I, I'm, I'm very much here by choice. I, you know, um you know for for all of the reasons that you mentioned I mean and there's there is something i think a little bit um there's a special spark in this town for whatever reason you know i've heard theories there's multiple theories you know but um and I, who knows what the real the real truth is a, as we'll talk about later in this episode oftentimes the the real t- truth can be a little murky right um but <laughs> you know i think that there's something very special here and um yeah it 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 tends to gather uh the right people together
2: Yeah, I don't get the David Lynch vibe, like, where it's a nice small town on the surface, but underneath it's very dark, you know, and... and, uh Jack Ruby could be hanging around. I don't get that vibe in Peterborough, but there's, there's certainly there's
0: no darkness here. There's you know there's like there's there's some you know s- there's some snobbery. You know what I mean? Like there's of some course. waspiness. I was
1: gonna say class tension. Yeah, there guys. yeah
0: sure there there's yeah definitely you know but like yeah there there's no you never get the vibe that there's like an underbelly. You
2: know what no, I mean? Yeah. Like, you ever nobody... been you ever been to Shaw's on a Saturday at two o'clock? Here's your here's your class. uh.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> what are you doing in my store, peasant? You know. Seriously,
0: yeah, no.
2: I, I'm a market basket man. I'm gonna just put that out there. I worked there oh, for four years. I am too, years. absolutely. Uh, give, yeah. Throw me back in the casket. I worked there for four years. I worked uh, there myself. I worked okay. there for for about a year. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think I think it's a very humbling, a very uh, enlightening experience that most oh, poor yeah. people should experience. Yeah, I've worked at multiple supermarkets, and actually Market
0: Basket was by far the best to work for. Um.
2: Yeah, they, they, you know, uh, when I worked there, man, i got to say, for a job, they paid you pretty well for a, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid. And, sure. And, um, you know, I think what it was eventually, though, I, I got tired of not being allowed to grow a beard. You know, I know. Not, they you're, have you're, those you, you, George Steinbrenner you, rules. You, you can know, have the ridiculous I, stash, but you can't have a beard.
0: My hair would be too
2: long right now. Yeah, if, if I worked there still. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah for totally. real. Totally. And then they, they, there was a great documentary a few years ago. The the Arthur T versus Arthur S, billionaire versus billionaire. Remember that? Yep. Yep. It's like oh, you yeah. know.
0: Oh I, I actually worked there like the year before
2: that okay. whole debacle. Like so I, I had
0: kind of recently departed. At Did the you time. work at so the I one? Still, of- I still had a lot of former uh, coworkers that were
2: that were there in in Ringe, actually. Oh, you worked at the one in Ringe, too? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I worked there from oh3 to oh7 so back in oh, high nice. school. Oh, nice, yeah, and this and was like 2013, 2014. Oh, so more recent, cool. Yeah, more cool. recent, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a good, it was a good experience, ultimately, and and uh, it taught, you know, I always had money in my pocket, man, to go to the movies or uh, mm-hmm. go out for, you know, a, a dinner, you know, back before gas was $4 a gallon, when I was in there, it was $2 a gallon, okay, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, they... Yeah, and you know, I fe- I always felt that the um, just the culture of Market Basket, like they, because I mean, I, I worked multiple different grocery chains in life, um, you know, other other retail as well, and um, typically, you know, in retail, you don't there's not a lot of respect given from like say supervisor to to employee, and I, I just felt that Market Basket, they just they really showed you. Uh, A a modicum of respect and decency at all um, times—that went a
2: long way, and was unusual. It was remarkable, I thought. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had to wear a dress shirt and a tie, and you had your schmuck. I mean, I did a year up front, and I did three years in produce, and nice. um, I couldn't really party for the first half of college because I had to be at the produce department every Sunday at 6 a.m. to open it up, truck, you know, make sure things were good. So, you know, it it taught me some early life lessons. Um, That's not to say I never went in hungover. And, yeah, of course. Yeah, right, right, right.
0: No, I mean, you know, I mean, again, go in there, go in there today at six, you know, on, on a on a Saturday on a
2: Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be a see, little drunk. You'll see
0: some stuff. sluggish folks. You'll see a couple sluggish managers,
2: you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a grind. It, 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 yes. Yeah. These people give they give their lives to that career. Um, you know, my store manager at the time was was there. From I, he, he said he worked on his wedding day. I mean that's commitment. Oh
0: I that's, think we, we you know what we probably had the same what was his name we probably had the same manager. was Mr. Doobie. Oh yeah 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 he was he's there a for like thirty
2: years wasn't he? It's a legend yeah he was there for yeah. a long. He's like I swear you guys go you kids go off to college you come back he just you're oh, stupider he just becomes yeah. stupider. <laughs> I loved it when he would throw those insults that's like old school like uh, Massachusetts style. All right, we, we got the pork chops here four ninety nine a pound we got cigarettes for our Massachusetts choppers uh cottons a cigarette seventeen ninety nine a cotton. You know, he'd get on that mic and really sell it. Yeah, no, I loved absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely. I loved
2: it. Yeah, he was he was a classic like archetypal market basket store manager. Oh, totally. He 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 lived it. He lived it on his sleeve. I saw him one time chase out a guy who was stealing a bunch of steaks under his shirt. He freaking chased the dude all through the <laughs> store and out the front. And then then we were watching the footage of it. It's like, come on, man. You know, you don't <laughs> have that. You don't have that anymore.
0: You know, I know. I'm true. glad that
2: Roy's is still. Roy's has changed hands, and the people who are getting it now are are kind of on board with the the old school vision. I'm I'm really glad to see that. We need more smaller biz, family businesses, neighborhood type places.
1: I was just I was just about to ask you if you had been into the new the new uh
2: Roy's. I haven't been since it's changed hands. Have you?
1: I have. Yeah, yeah. They they like spruced it up in there. It's nice. Nice. Mostly I- the same. But like, you know, like I don't know, extra extra friendliness yeah. bubbling out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a and a bit of a um <laughs> re, re uh a, a
2: wipe down. A reboot. It smells,
1: it smells better. It smells better. I'll just okay, say.
2: Okay, I get. I get what you're saying, and I guess they're <laughs> gonna re- they're gonna do something with Little Roy's, and they're gonna open up a uh, cafe or a coffee spot where the. Um, I, that's
0: the That's really what I'm hoping. Heard, yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's nice to hear because it is a. Bu- I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was never like blown away by like Little Roy's when it was open before, but it's just kind of a bummer to have that that space just sitting there totally closed. You know, right yeah. downtown. It's nice. You know, a nice know. spot
2: um yeah it got decimated by the flu world order you know it did <laughs> <laughs> pardon me
1: yeah th- that's the one we're hoping will be like a, an afternoon coffee shop
0: yeah right which might be might be too much to hope for but you never know
2: <laughs> still hoping you never
0: know what type of coffee shop yeah this is one that's open in the afternoon
2: oh oh yeah 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 we'll see you know it's so yeah, hard, can- hard to get a cup of coffee like late in the day in this town yeah, I'll be honest. I don't drink coffee. I'm a tea guy myself. Oh
0: yeah. Well, but, uh, you can't really get a cup of tea late in the day in this town either.
2: No, I just make my own. I do Irish. I make Irish tea here, and I'm trying to get off soda. I've been trying to kick soda. I've been pretty successful the last couple of weeks. I can't.
0: Um, I'm a. I'm a big. I have a. I have a major soda weakness. I, yeah, it's bad. I, love I need it. a little. I need a little. I just need a little taste
2: every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I feel you. Yeah, Coca Cola and Dr Pepper are my hell yeah, are my uh, sodas of choice. But
0: yeah, Trend. have you ever? So, as a tea drinker though, because I, I actually I, I spent a couple of years working in a in a great tea shop in Boston, and this is like twenty years ago. Um, but uh, have you ever been to the cozy tea cart in Brookline? No. There's a person uh, who knows her tea. Um, she's she's. I, I have never seen actually to this day because the tea place I used to work at in Boston's gone, and um, I any tea I have never been to one except for her shop that has that level of like quality selection and expertise. You know, I mean, she's got relationships in in the Himalayas and whatnot, and goes over which is kind of you know kind of what you need for like the real the real good stuff. Uh, but it's worth it you know and they do um ship online too uh, because the hours can be tough uh, because they close by like six o'clock every day
2: yeah wow that's great yeah that's uh that's pretty uh pretty customized yeah have you ever been to
0: the alamo in in brookline
2: the barbecue place no i've been to i think it's called blue ribbon i don't know if that's um in brookline
0: I don't know either.
2: I think it's called the Blue Ribbon. It was a pretty popular barbecue place down down near Boston. Oh,
0: uh, <laughs> no, Brookline, New Hampshire.
2: Oh, oh, Brookline, New Hampshire. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, no, New Hampshire. No, no, I haven't. How long has that place been there for? Um, Maybe five years.
0: It's it's in a place where there's been a number of restaurants over the years that it, that have turned over. But um, Was the Country it, Corral in there before in the Chinese restaurant? My not band, there, no. It used to be there was like there. a... Place called Riverside was in there, and then there was something in between Riverside and the Alamo. But um, it's also near, it's right on Route 13, um, and um, you know, right by um, probably don't know this either, but Tobacco Haven. It's an old, it's the first place I ever bought tobacco. Um, Used to be a shack by the side of the road, and now it's this gigantic like Vice Plaza with like, you know, a convenience store with like cigarettes and beer cigars and, and other stuff in the, in the tobacco part and, and in New Hampshire liquor store. So, so that's um, like they're,
2: they're like Times Square in Brookline.
0: Seriously, <laughs> seriously. And then, you know, kind of like diagonally up the road is the Alamo and across from the Alamo is the tea, the tea shop. So there is, there's like a few, and there's like a Greek place nearby too. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's actually, it's, and it's weird because you don't think of Brookline like it's kind of like a town that you drive through. Um, for the most part, no offense Brookline, but um, they actually have like a few really great spots that are worth stopping at.
1: And the sculpture sculpture
0: park. Yeah, which I still haven't been to. Oh, yeah, I got to go there. Have you?
1: Oh yeah, I've been there. For oh
0: cool. Yeah, they have this like, crazy um, free just like sculpture hike park. There's
1: like different hikes you can do, and there's like a s- you know sculpt- big sculptor studio. I think they have like visiting artists, and they just have like installations throughout the woods, so you can. Andres,
0: just- right? Yes. Andres Institute of Art. That sounds great. That we'll scene. Yeah, yeah, let's go.
2: You yeah, guys, are, guys are totally. I grew up
0: right over the border in Townsend, which is you know also not, also one well one and a half towns removed from the border of Ringe. I I think of it as the border though because, I grew up in West Townsend, just off of one nineteen. You know, so to get to the border, um, with Ringe is like. I'm Kind of like a 15-minute straight shot from my parents' house, so I think of it as like, yes, yeah, just over the border, but literally over the border from Brookline, um, which is, you know, part of why I, I have known of all of these places. But
2: wow, yeah. that, those are like hidden gems in the area.
0: Totally, totally. I, I spent, Always. um,
2: I spent a pretty good amount of time in Townsend as a kid because my one of my mother's childhood friends has lived there, did live there for years. Nice. So we would go there, and they owned a video store back in the 90s.
0: So oh, I got yeah?
2: to, I got to see the original screen when I was like nine or ten years old for the first time, and that kind of that kind of helped um, birth my love of horror films. Was so, that
0: was that um, uh, Harbor Video by chance, or
2: it, or was it Dave's
0: Video? There was it, a couple of
2: probably Harbor. It was in a it was in a Plaza if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that was Harbor Video. And yeah. it, this
2: would have been probably ninety four, ninety five, ninety six.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's so, what was there, yeah,
2: for so sure. So they had, and this is all VHS back then, of course. That was, so. our, yeah, that was our, that was our video
0: rental store for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean so. there was
0: there was Blockbuster in Fitchburg, but like you know, most of the time you wouldn't drive. We we in growing up in towns, and you do kind of drive to Fitchburg and Nashua for like a lot of things, you know. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't. Your parents wouldn't necessarily take you to Fitchburg just to go to Blockbuster. You know, you would go no. to Blockbuster if you were already there. Otherwise, you would go down to Harbor Video. It was not nice video store.
2: Yeah. Do you, you guys ever go to Tories, the uh, sub place? I think it's in Lemonster. They, they I have don't the, think so. They have a new lo- – my dad used to take me when I was a kid, and, and I thought they closed, but I recently found out that they opened a different location under another name, but it's the same business. So oh, no I, shit. I'm definitely pining for one of their steak and cheese subs. Oh, I would love to have that. Yeah, I'm I mean, Lemonster's
0: got good food.
2: I'm hoping it's good. Yeah. You know, I like yeah. – um. What do they call um, it now? I forget what the new name is, so I'll have to look that up. But I, I've always loved the Italian spot on Central Street in Leominster, uh Il Camino. Oh, yeah. I've been there, I'm pretty it's, sure, yeah. It's real old school. Like, every, everything's still old. Like, the chairs, the the upholstery, the, the you know, the carpet. It's yeah. The, I think they've been there since the 50s, 40s or 50s or something, and it's been family-owned. They, yeah,
0: they used to have this place called Monty's Garden. Do you remember that place? That was, that was like... True. That was right downtown, and it was like upstairs in this place, like super old school Italian joint, and mm. like you know that was kind of like the place. That was like a big deal, like if you took somebody out to Monty's Garden, like this <laughs> thing. But it's it's gone now. I don't know what happened, but it it um didn't didn't last. Yeah. I mean, I think it had been there forever, but like it you know had its had its day.
2: Well, the hit, the hidden gems, you know, you can still dig them up and find them. And it sounds like you guys one of the, one of the things I like about what you do is you you highlight and talk about stuff locally that that might be off the beaten path or you might not know about. And absolutely, that's quality stuff and quality. We try people. to find it. Yeah, it's around. Yeah, exactly. It's around. Exactly.
0: Um, so, how did you t- tell us about like the genesis of Jackman Radio? Like how and and what you guys do and you know how how that has all shaped over time, what you did.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've you know, so I went to Keene State College, uh, class of 2009, Owls. Nice. Uh, and I, I did a little bit of a podcast when I was in college for the Equinox, which was the newspaper, and this would have been 2008, 2009. Nice. Um, and then after I graduated, I wanted to start my own podcast, but I'll be honest, I'm not the most technologically uh, savvy person. So I had the idea and then in 2012 I, I tried to get it off the ground and it, it 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 languished and then finally in 2015 uh a coworker of mine had his own podcast that was winding down and we you know we became friends and he ended up coming on as our first producer so he really cool. helped us get off the ground he he knew everything with microphones and recording and sound equipment and editing so 2015 we got off the ground early that year and uh kind of around the time of the, the GOP primary um was when we really started kicking into high gear covering Oh man. yeah, okay. Interesting. Cover-
0: yeah, interesting primary, of course, yeah. Yeah,
2: it was the real it was the real GOP clown circus with Trump and Jeb and Ted Cruz and and of course Hillary was running against Bernie. Um so we were doing shows quite often. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, right. That was yeah, that's a that's a great time to get going. That was a great era. Yeah. So we were actually we were recording back then in Jaffrey. Um we lived on a bungalow at the Grand View Inn in Jaffrey for 2 years. Wow, that's where where Jacqueline Radio was born up there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was was awesome.
0: That's a good uh, spot of
2: origin. Yeah. So it started off as audio only. And then in the last couple of years, we've introduced a live stream component for our YouTube channel. And, um, you know, I studied politics in college, got my degree in that, studied history, have always been into politics and current events. So that's, I guess that's the real foundation of the podcast. And, we, you know, we like to throw in some comedy stuff there, too, and um, pop culture, you know, film, uh, books. We, we interview journalists, you know, anybody that we're interested in. If we read a book and we can get in touch with the author and we can get them on for a chat, we try to do that. Um, yeah. And then in the last election cycle, 2020, we filmed a series at Post and Beam Brewing here in Peterborough, uh, where we sat down with as many presidential candidates as we could get to come in person. And, which uh, was which was kind of a big deal. I mean, that was my
0: first exposure. I mean, I remember
2: that. You know, I mean, oh, that cool. that made the rounds for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually mostly in 2019. And then, of course, you know, lockdowns happened and and uh, in March of 2020. So that put the kibosh on any in-person stuff at all. That's really when Jackman yeah. Radio kind of went fully like we're doing here streaming. Um, yep. I prefer in-person talk, talking to people in person. But. Um, we would have invited you over except like you just, see we had this is our like well we would have been all bunched up jack-up. together
0: <laughs> that's what i mean and and the other setup which i i was missing a cord for we have two mics not three you know what i mean so it's just a it's a logistical but i'm i'm with you um and one day we'll we'll have the capability to have guests and yeah Cause we
2: do have space
0: for it here in the lounge you know oh we could um, i'd love
2: to have you guys on Jack and radio too we'll do we'll do we'll do a Absolutely. We'll have you guys on too, but um, I, I love talking to friend, old friends. Uh, we had our first family member on. We had my great uncle on, who's a kempo master. Um, yeah, I saw that. I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we, we like to talk to anybody that we're like interested in or an area that interests us or we're passionate about, um, and I'll, I'll talk to any presidential candidate, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, I mean, Libertarian. We've talked to our, our first big interview we did was Jill Stein. Actually, we went to her house down in Massachusetts, oh, nice. yeah. and hung out with her for three hours, and and she, you know, she's an a, interesting lady. She is, yeah, I, I like her. We call her yeah. Base Plant Lady. That's one of, <laughs> that's one of the nicknames. And she's actually running again. She just announced she's. I good. just saw that.
0: Yeah, somebody like yeah, Jill Stein's back again. I mean, I you know I I like her well enough. I'm I am sort of like all right. I don't. Did anybody, you know, I know the Greens need a candidate, so I'm not surprised, you know, because, um, you know, Cornell was running as a Green, and then, I, I think personally that he got scared that he could generate too many Green votes because they have ballot access, and so he hopped off.
2: Um, yeah, aren't they on 35 or 40 states or something? Yeah,
0: they're they're on most of the states. Yeah, they they have yeah. So, it's a, if if you are a popular figure that can kind of garner that kind of attention and you are worried about being a spoiler, Mm -hmm. um, not a good place to hang out really.
2: Well, I like what RFK Jr. is saying. He's like, yes, I'm going to be a spoiler. I hope to spoil it for both of them.
0: For both sides. Yeah. And if you see those growing numbers, uh, that that's like within striking distance at the moment, obviously election day is a year away, but um,
2: it's kind of remarkable. I think. I mean, he's beating Trump and Biden in uh, two different polls, maybe more than that, among 18 to 45-year-olds. Straight uh, And, and independents, straight up yeah. independents. And no no third-party candidate has ever had this amount of support a year out from the general. So that's huge. Yeah, it is huge. It is huge. And, you know,
0: um, it, it, I think um, – to kind of segue into our, our, our next and, and sort of main subject, it may, something like that can carry risks along with it, I think. Um, and, you know, I I, I say that to um, bring us to the events that Monadnock Underground and uh, GOMO and Jackman Radio are doing in partnership. Uh, so, you know, this episode will probably come out on Monday the 13th. Um, so Friday, this Friday, Friday the 17th, um, the place you want to be, Friday night, 7 p.m. Uh, to 10 p.m., 1833 room at the Peterborough Town Library. 60 years of the unspeakable, an examination of JFK's uh, legacy, legacy of his assassination. We're going to do a film screening um, of a documentary relevant to the subject from a, a director known for his film on the subject. And, um, and then we're going to have a little discussion afterwards. And, um, you know, this came about because course it's the 60th anniversary it's a big deal um don't want to pass it by there's a lot of stories in the media but I don't feel like I'm seeing a lot of events um necessarily that people are doing or or even even commemorative kind of things so Mike and I have been interested in this for many years um so I, I don't know if you want to talk about your you know kind of how how this came to be something that you were interested in passionate about
2: has to be back in middle school. I was having a discussion with my uncle John, who who grew up in Boston, um, and uh, I don't, he just I don't know if he brought it up or he he told me about back in the '70s he was out near the water and he saw a boat and the name of the boat was Who Killed JFK, and that kind of sparked his interest in the whole thing mm-hmm. and he became a, kind of a student of the assassination and um, was telling me about a, a man who worked in the military named L. Fletcher Prouty, uh, who who is of course the character of man X played by Donald Sutherland Sutherland, is is based on Fletcher Prouty uh, who worked in military intelligence, worked in the Pentagon uh, was a liaison, you know, with the presidential protective detail and um, you know, the military and and intelligence agencies. Uh, So he spent many years on the inside, you know, in these meetings and looking, you know, at operations and being involved in operations. And he, you know, wrote a book about it, I think just called JFK or maybe it was called JFK in Vietnam or no, that was John Newman. But anyways, my uncle John told me about this guy and told, told me a little bit about the assassination when I was a middle schooler. And that just kind of sparked my interest in it. And since then I've just been, been in that, in that uh, space, (laughs) you know, and there's, there's been so many amazing. um, And for you, you didn't, you see JFK when you were a young boy, the film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was never allowed to see any rated R movies. And, um, I don't know. For some reason though, I was very interested in JFK in general. I, I don't know. I, I could feel his charisma as like a seven-year-old, I guess. Um, and I just, and, and totally. my parents at the time were not even, they, they are now, which is funny, but they were not even Democrats. Um, they, uh, they, they were Republicans. So like, it's not like I got it from them really. I just like somehow inherited this Massachusetts Kennedy love. And um, so they had never seen JFK Um this literally must have been like right when this movie came to video, because um, that's how old I was. It was like around eight years old. And they were like, yeah, they're like, yeah, you can watch it. It's like historical, um, you know, and they didn't watch it with me either. So I, <laughs> I just like oh, watched this, this movie by myself. And like, I kind of like come out of the room and I'm like, I'm like, did you know that there was like, a trial in the case of, of them. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know what I'm like? And I think that the CIA did it. And then, you know, and that, um, and actually Zoe, we, we I, found some, yeah. some I, evidence, I brought, like, some this receipts. Is, this is Yes,
1: it's receipts. This is um October <laughs> issue, 1992 of news from room 31, which I guess was like your third grade class. Yes, uh, it was. Newspaper yeah. Here. Yeah, yeah, and it's got it's got all kinds of like wonderful, you know, like little colorings. This is the Halloween issue. There's like coloring pages. There's like spooky poems. And then we come to Chris's article titled "His Assassination." <laughs> wow. I'll read to you. On Friday, November 22nd, 1963, President Kennedy was in Dallas, Texas. At about 12 o'clock p.m., their car drove past the Texas School Bank Depository. Thank you, the Book. You were
2: close. Yeah, sure. Um, A couple letters off.
1: (laughs) An active banking warehouse when a shot rang out from a sixth floor window. A first bullet hit JFK in the neck, a second hitting Governor Connolly, who with his wife was riding with them, and a final third bullet hit Kennedy in the skull. By one o'clock, the president was dead. Hours later, Dallas police abducted a suspect they were positive committed the assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald. Quote, I haven't shot anybody, insisted Oswald. The Dallas police had earlier found a rifle in the room of the sixth-floor window. They investigated the registration number. The owner, Lee Harvey Oswald. A person escaped from the Texas School Bank Depository just after Kennedy was shot. The Dallas police chief inquired who it was. Lee Harvey Oswald! (laughs) Two days after the murder, when Oswald was being interviewed by reporters and police officers and was on many TV stations, a Dallas nightclub owner named Jack Ruby pushed through the crowd and shot L.H. Oswald with a concealed revolver. You killed the president, you rat, were his very words. The case of the JFK murder isn't closed. A person named Abraham Zapruder was filming Kennedy when he was shot. On the third shot, Kennedy's head jerked back and the banking warehouse was behind them. Conclusion? There must have been a second gunman. (laughs) And I also just, this is like beside the point, but I just have to show like the, the stylistic font choices here.
2: Wow, it almost looks like wing dings or something Or <laughs> like,
1: it was that it's era just like highlighted in black,
2: like hieroglyphics, you know, just like block text. like this outline
0: block text, like white on black. He wrote yeah.
2: that as a he did it as a third grader Zoe me no no maybe. no no. chris did chris wrote that as a third grader? yeah
1: yeah you were like what you were like Dude, you know more
2: than most boomers about the assassination as a third grader
0: yeah i know yeah seriously and it's yes it's it's
2: because they let me watch that movie um, <laughs> <coughs> wow that's you were really ahead of the curve that's like 30 years ago man Yeah, i was like kevin was costner amazing. told
0: me back into the left <laughs> My,
1: I, my favorite part of it is it's just like in this halloween issue like where there's all these like poems <laughs> about like spooky pumpkins
2: and like who <laughs> killed jfk
0: drop, <laughs> just drop an absolute
2: bombshell <laughs> yeah well i i guess i was the weird kid in middle school who, who who talked about it you know i was like did you know that oswald was mingling with pro and anti-castro cubans down in new orleans now I'm like in eighth grade. They're like, dude, I don't know. I just are you gonna go to the dance this weekend? Like,
0: guy, he's affected to Russia, and then they just let him back.
2: Do, do not understand. Dude. And that's the thing about this man. Obviously, this is a very serious uh, topic, and we do take it serious. But but yeah, overall, it's so comical how laughable the official story is. You have to laugh. You know that's that's why that's why you can laugh and joke about it because it is it is such a great American farce that's been inflicted upon us for the last 60 years and that's why I thought it was important to do an event like this you know and, and it's it's great to. I think it's important to keep your sense of humor about it about everything but you know it is dark because this sure. is when most Americans uh lost their innocence and they really started to really question their government and the media if you look at if you look at numbers back in 1963 compared to today about trust in media and trust in government it's just like this Mm-hmm. It's just steadily just gone down. And uh, so that's why I think it's important to have conversations about it and do this public forum, because like you said, there's not really many people doing any like events or anything or having real conversations about it. And that's what I want to do. I want people to show up who have different beliefs about it, who have looked at it, who have never looked at it, who are, who are curious, who think that we're that we're off base. I, I would love to see a great sampling. In the crowd, of, yeah, absolutely. Of all, all perspectives and point points of view,
0: as everyone knows, we we love debate around here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the um, and it's it's an interesting time, I think, too, because polls have consistently shown over time, right, that like you know somewhere between like two thirds and three quarters of Americans believe that like something more is is true about this assassination than the the official story than the Warren report findings, et cetera, like that. And that's always been the case. Right. But I think today in particular, we have sort of a a confluence with, with that prevailing sentiment, right. With this view, particularly say in a town like Peterborough, particularly in, in among, among liberals, right. That conspiracy theorism is inherently dangerous and like inherently wrong. And, and it makes you a right winger and it, it means that you don't trust the science and like all of these things. And so I think it becomes all the more important to, to show some of these things because first of all, the thing I like to say to people when they, when they are dismissive of the concept of conspiracy theories is I'm like, D- do you, do you think that like powerful people never plan things in rooms? You know what I mean? Like that, like they don't, you know, cause like, think about organizing like a a bake sale, right? You probably got together with some people and like planned it. Okay. Um, do you think that people at like the top of, of say the, the economic or class or, or political ladder, however you want to frame it, um, don't collude, you know, don't, don't talk to one another, like don't coordinate, like that's nuts. Right. And so if you agree that that's nuts, because it is right, because all people do this, it's a natural human trait, right? We organize ourselves. Um, it's universal, then you, you know, admit the existence of conspiracies, right? And so, of course, there are conspiracy theories that are ridiculous, you know? There are conspiracy theories that are, are dubious, right? There are conspiracy theories that are of an of, um, in intentionally nefarious origin, right? So the, the, the thing comes to be able to parse what, what conspiracies are actually real. And when it comes to this sort of thing, again, people people are even, again, like I said, despite the stats about people's doubts, right, today I find that people can be very dismissive of this. And there are so many things with this assassination, as, as we were saying, we, we were watching um, the last couple of nights JFK Revisited, which is the film we're going to be showing at the library. Um, and there's just There are so many individual details, right, that all by themselves would be enough to be like, wait a minute, this is not right. You know what I mean? And there's like 30 or 40 of them that are are at that level. And you hear people say things like, "Uh, yeah, well, do you know that nobody can keep their mouth shut? And if this was a conspiracy, then, you know... In all this time, there would have been thousands of people who knew, and a ton of people would have talked. And I'm just like, yeah, and a ton of them did. You know
2: what I like, People have a ton talked. Of them did? Yeah. People have talked, and conspiracies are very real. Just in our lifetime, the three of us, the earliest one would would be Iran Contra. That was a conspiracy. Sure. I mean, that that's government colluding with uh, drug running, terrorism, weapons. I mean, that that's that that all happened. You know. Um, the Iraq war was a conspiracy, you know, they got together and, and uh, tried to sell us a bill of goods about weapons of mass destruction and yellow cake and uranium and anthrax, and that ended up all being a lie. They were yep. all lies. Um, mass surveillance so, of right. U.S. citizens is a yeah. conspiracy. It's, it's ended up being true. Yep. So I think to your point, um, especially in recent years, the QAnon stuff has thrown a lot of people off, and that's... I think, you know, part of that is, is, you know, a way to get people to not look at anything and not question anything I think so too, because you'll be, you'll be painted with that brush. Um, whereas in the Kennedy assassination, since day one, there has been serious scholarship and been serious criticism of the Warren Report and people on the ground interviewing witnesses and doing research and looking into this, you know, with a sober mind um and that's the information and evidence that I that I try to always put forward and guests that I I have on my show um who have done really great groundbreaking breaking research on this stuff and i think if you if you just peel back a layer or two on this and you and you look at it um with an open mind i don't know how you can come away and not think that there's something amiss with the yeah. whole deal so there's a lot of, there's so many areas, like you mentioned, that, you know, on their own, it's like, well, that makes you scratch your head. But, I mean, really, the the crux of this thing is, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald being in that window on the sixth floor, uh, when clearly when you look at it and you look at eyewitness statements, he was on the second floor at the time of the shooting. So yep. uh, how was he in the sixth floor firing at the president if he was actually on the second floor? So there's yeah. so there's many discrepancies. And, 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 like, come on, guys, too, like, who... <laughs> how
0: many how many uh, like <laughs> world class political assassins have ever existed who succeed at their task and upon being caught? don't don't, you know, use the opportunity to proclaim why, you know, what their cause is, right? Or alternately, don't try to proclaim innocence and get away with it, right? But say, instead, specifically i am a patsy yeah you know what i mean well why would you why why would anyone say that
2: that always stuck out to me too yeah i'm just a patsy and uh he was begging for legal representation and uh i mean he look you look at him there and we were talking about this kind of off you know online the other night uh the the midnight press conference they did with him where they trotted him out and he looks really beat up and and disoriented and and um one of the reporters tells him you have been charged in the death of the president. And, and look, he just looks completely like gobsmacked. Yeah. He's, you know, there's so much about it that, that points to him uh, not only not being, you know, really involved in the plot, but not, not being the shooter at all. Mm-hmm. And there were never, there never was a trial to your point. You know, he was killed two days later on, on live television by Jack Ruby, who has had innumerable mafia connections and, and, uh, weapon smuggling and and had been around for a long time and yeah. uh, there's evidence to suggest that he was paid fifty thousand dollars to go shoot Oswald.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sorry, but the guy dying two days
2: later is just like too neat and
0: tidy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's they I mean, come on, you, like, you would you would protect the shit out of that guy. You know what I mean? Like you, you know. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's just ridiculous. to me. They it's braided
2: wild. him around. Yeah, and and there's you know a lot a lot of. Folks in the government were saying, we need to make sure Americans are convinced that Oswald was the guy. There was only one shooter. We don't want World War III to pop off. We don't want an uh, incident with Cuba. Um, and there was just so much propaganda from the early get-go, you know, that this was either a Cuban plot or a Russian plot. or And that, that's I think a lot of that's just disinformation to throw um, the public off the trail, uh, that, that the real plotters were actually a little bit more closer to home, you know. Definitely. And, uh yeah, Kennedy had a lot of enemies. He made a lot of enemies. And he did things that were at the time pretty pretty uh extraordinary with foreign policy and, and domestic policy. You know. He he definitely disrupted the apple cart with a lot of vested interests. So
0: Yeah. Well and that and and that
2: really is is the crux of it I think. And I and I you know,
0: I, I intend to maybe make, say, say a remark or two about this in a few days um, as well. But I think the important thing really is, it, is it's always going to be hard, if not impossible, for us to actually have the full set of facts about, like, who exactly did what, who, who gave the order specifically, names, places, you know, things like that, right? But the, 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 the moral of the story here, right, is that there, this was a man who was killed because he was trying to end the Cold War, you know, because he was beginning to, against great resistance, right? Like truly swimming against the tide. And, you know, sometimes people dismiss this uh, line of thinking because they're like, no, 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 Kennedy was just conventional. He went along with the Bay of Pigs. He sent the advisors to Vietnam and all this stuff. And like, yes, he wasn't perfect. I think he had a lot of like fits and starts, but in the end, the guy was going and the more you read about this in, in Kennedy's thinking and his um his his efforts against certain advisors, you know, and of course when you, you listen to his his famous peace speech at American University earlier the year that he was killed, in which he you know expressly was urging Americans to empathize with their enemy, like very specifically, very directly, saying, you know we we are all the same here, you know, which was just an incredibly radical statement, you know, and he wanted to pull the advisors out of Vietnam. He was deeply troubled by the, the murder of Diem, um, which, you know, he, his administration had a hand in ultimately, right, um, but was was ashamed and, and was deeply troubled by it and was troubled by the amount of deaths of U.S. advisors who were there and could see what was going to happen and was going to Pull out of Vietnam and was going to try to do some missile treaties with Russia and and you know was on that track and this was unacceptable to to the intelligence community to the military etc
2: Absolutely and, and he had the national security memorandum that was going to pull the troops out of Vietnam the advisors out of Vietnam he gave that interview I think it was to Walter Cronkite a month or two before he was killed saying it's their war it's it's theirs to win you know we don't want to get entangled in this um, and history has now borne out that that's the case, that he he was intending on having all everybody out of Vietnam by 1965. He wanted to go through, he wanted, he needed to get reelected first, and he knew that. He had only yep. won Texas by like two points, so he was really kicking off the 64 campaign by going down there with Lyndon Johnson and, and bringing the first lady, his wife down there uh, to campaign and meet the people, um, so it was very important that he win a state like Texas, and you know, that's one of the reasons why he had Lyndon Johnson on the ticket in 1960 uh, to carry a state like Texas. And, you know, firing Alan Dulles from the CIA after, um, you know, the, the, the events down in Cuba that, that were bungled, uh, firing Cabell and Bissell. Those, those are two huge, uh, you know, big fish within the military establishment that he got rid of. Uh, yep. And was trying to believe
0: themselves like th- to have impunity, like that they they could. have were like they were like, like who's indispensable?
2: Little, yeah who's this little punk? They, they looked at him like he was like a punk. Who's this little punk coming in telling us what we're going to do and we're going to have detente with Russia? Yeah, Chris, gonna... he, he was even new money, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, these these
0: were guys really attached to the to that WASP establishment, you know, like old money, uh,
2: oh, Wall he, Street money. It's Dulles all Cromwell, you know? Absolutely. And, and the Dulles brothers, totally connected to Wall Street, uh, connected to moneyed interests over in Germany. Uh, David Talbot wrote a great book called The Devil's Chessboard, which which really lays out uh, Dulles really still had, like, you know, Nazi connections that were still going on. So he, yep. he was like the fulcrum between that, Wall Street, um, obviously intelligence, and, and the Pentagon. So after Kennedy fires him, and then Kennedy's killed in 63, a week later, Johnson establishes the Warren Report by really elbowing uh, Chief Justice Earl Warren to put his name on this thing and put his stamp on it. He didn't want to do it. Johnson basically said, "You are going to do this." Who do they hire to run the the uh, commission? Alan Dulles. Dulles, his enemy. He's fired by Kennedy. So you You're bringing the guy who Kennedy fired, who he didn't trust, who Dulles hated Kennedy, and this is the guy who's going to be investigating. The assassination and, and the, the death of President Kennedy—they already had their conclusion that it was Oswald, and they needed to make the story and the narrative fit around those facts. And that's what they did for the next ten months.
0: Yeah, and, he was there
2: to make sure it happened. Well, yeah, I mean, he—he he was the cleanup and the cover-up crew. He—he he decided what they were going to look at, what they were going to investigate. Um, he hid—they—he obfuscated and hid so many things. Like for example, uh, a CIA agent named George Joannides who was liaison with one of the Cuban groups down in Miami um, and knew about Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, they were open, they opened up a file on Lee Harvey Oswald in 1959 and they were opening his mail. They were opening his mother's mail. So they knew, they knew who Oswald was. They knew what he was up to, where he was going. Um, you know, what groups he was involved in. And uh, you know, up up until a couple of weeks before the assassination, they, they, you know, they knew he was in Dallas and, and uh so they weren't totally forthcoming about that. And there's since been a lot of information that's come out with the release of the files, um, which happened after the movie JFK. That was an act of Congress in 1992. And technically by law, they should have all been released by 2017. Trump didn't get it done. Now Biden has also uh, kicked it down uh, the road and basically given given it back to the CIA. So it's there's still probably 5,000 or more documents And files that are pertinent that are, that may never come out.
0: Well, I was, (laughs) we, I was saying to Zoe the other night, like when we were watching the film and they were, and they were talking about precisely that. Right. And it's like, that's another one of those things where it's like, okay, so the house of representatives, you know, the U S Congress investigated this assassination, not that long ago. Right. A little bit before, say we were born, right. Just a few years. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, not, so not ancient history, they, they did this investigation, and they found that many things in this investigation that we can't be told 40 years later, what, you know what I mean, like, if if not like something fishy, like, there's, there's no alternative, you know what I mean, like, what are you saying, like, oh, well, you know, you're going to give bullshit like they did with like WikiLeaks and shit being like, well, you know, you're going to cause people to die in Afghanistan um, because like, no way 40 year old intelligence. Fuck that. Like that, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. What's in there.
2: Yeah, that's BS. That That's totally BS. And, and I mentioned Joe and Edie's earlier. So when they did the health select committee of assassinate the investigation in the seventies, I think they concluded in 1978. So yeah, it's only, only eight years before I was born. Um, and then they, you know, kicked it to the Justice Department to investigate it, and nothing was ever followed up on, of course. Um, but they, that House Select Committee concluded that there was a conspiracy, and there were at least two shooters. That yeah. was their. So there's actually two. So, official, yeah, they actually publicly did conclude that, right? You're right. There's two official government conclusions. There's the Warren Report, and then there's the House Select Committee. Um, I feel like the House Select Committee looked into more things pertaining to intelligence and. Um, you know, what they knew about Oswald, but they, there were also members of that panel who, who had a kind of thing with the mafia and the mob, and they, they wanted to kind of just blame it on the mob, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with Jack Ruby and, uh, Sam Giancana and, you know, uh, other mobsters, there certainly were some connections, but, yeah. um, I think that's a cop out to just say, oh, the mob did it. That's, oh, it, totally. Some totally. people, well, some people like so to go that like- route.
0: Anything that, like, uh, L. Fletcher Prouty co- talks about with respect to, like, the CIA and, like, certain pro- like safety protocols that, that were not followed and things like that were all things that the mob, even at the height of its power, never had the power to do. You know, like, yeah. they, they they can't give those orders.
2: They're, 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 that's just not real. Well, the mob wasn't in charge of the parade route in Dallas. Right. That, that that's what it. I'm
0: saying. The mob can't do that.
2: No, they took it through Dealey Plaza and made that that uh, turn, which they really, which went against protocol because presidents as far back as Roosevelt motorcaded through Dealey Plaza and they did not make that turn onto Houston Elm. They went straight through the, uh, uh, triple overpass. Mm. So there, and, and there's, I mean, there's great research just on the secret service angle. Um, I had a fellow on named Vince Palomera, who's written like six books just about the secret service response and their protocols. And, um, he's got a great review about, uh, former secret service agent, Paul Landis, who just released a book. They're saying, Oh, this is, this is the last witness. He's 88 years old. He said that he found a totally intact bullet uh, behind where Jackie was sitting. And if that's the case, that totally dismantles the single bullet theory as we know it. Um, But yeah, there's, there's just so much information and there is a lot of minutia and you can get lost in the weeds and a lot of this stuff. But um, overall, I think that anybody who looks at it critically, you know, will conclude that there's, there's a, something wrong with the official story. And, and it, it, you know, RFK Jr. is out there, man, calling for the release of the files. He's saying, you know, he doesn't believe the official story in his uncle and his father's uh, assassinations. So I'm really encouraged by that. And I think Americans want disclosure. They want transparency. And I think it's more relevant than ever to do an event like this and, and, and you know, have that conversation.
0: Yeah, I I do think that that part of it is remarkable, too, because as someone who has been following this as long as I have, and someone who's been kind of, you know, I mean, a general, you know, like I said, typical Massachusetts, like Kennedy fan, right? You know, they they don't talk about this. They don't like to talk about this. Teddy would never talk about this, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when he was alive. and, and you know, the more you read, right, you mentioned David Talbot, um, you know, he's got another great book called Brothers, which I think you, I'm sure you've probably read, um, that, um, you know, some of the things I, I just learned about that was like the attitudes of of Jackie and Bobby in the aftermath of, of JFK's assassination, and they were, like, they, they knew, like, neither of them thought for one second that it was this Lee Harvey Oswald dude, um, and that the government wasn't involved, they knew. Bobby wouldn't let the Secret Service or the FBI anywhere near him. It was like some it was like he had a he had an old Irish buddy who was running like the ATF or some or the Marshals, I think it was the US Marshals or something, and he had him provide security because he didn't trust any of the other government agencies to do it, you know? I mean the and you know, even Jackie famously um said that she left her husband's, like, blood and gore on her dress because she said, I want them to see what they did to him. You mm-hmm. know, like, she she wasn't talking about this, this, this funny, like, loser man. You know what I mean? In the sixth floor of the building, lone gunman disaffected Soviet sympathizer. Like, that is not what she meant. That is not what anyone would say if that's who they were talking to, you know? But nonetheless, though, besides, aside from remarks like that, Right, in and which was immediately thereafter. Yeah. Um, which
2: you would Mom, Johnson was but, being sworn in. You know, it would
0: would 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 never they didn't want to go there. And I don't I I don't blame them. You know, I'm not I'm not even casting but it is it is really nice that at this remove you have someone like RFK Jr. who's just like, Yeah, I'll tell you what I think and we all know it,
2: you know? Oh, just the courage. The courage to do that. And I of course it's gonna pain the family. I mean, like he said, he has hundred and five living family members and cousins and aunts and uncles and between all the siblings, it's over a hundred. So of course there's going to be different opinions and different views on what they think happened on what, what should be spoken about publicly. But I think there has been such a vacuum and such a need for someone from the family to come out publicly and say, Hey, we, we, you know, this is what we, this is what we feel about it. And let's, let's, you know, get this out there and get to the bottom of it. So I'm, one of the reasons i'm um, so supportive of RFK Jr. is, is because of this issue and uh, the courage and leadership he's shown in that and you know it just shows you they really uh, the media and the, the government they like view us like we' children they treat us like we for children so yeah
0: exactly and that you know really you know whatever whatever we can say right about the um, they're very popular today also to to focus on the the negative aspects of American history and the, 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 you know what I mean? The, the, the ugly side of, of civilization really. It's not just America, but like we we make it about America. And that is, as an aside, that's another thing that I appreciate about RFK Jr. is that he is unafraid to love America, you know? Um, which is, it's, it's crazy that we have to talk about it like that, but, but as a remarkable thing, you know, but, uh, but he does. But anyway, um, you know the um idea that we are to be treated as children right is is not the foundation that we started from you know no. even even when we want to look at it under the worst light right the the point of all this here and we see it in its vestigial form in our little new hampshire town meetings right you know this this was the basis for our government this was the idea was the this the citizen government we weren't there shouldn't really be anything that they can't tell us about for the most part. You know, that's that's contrary to the whole idea.
2: Absolutely, and it's like when Jim Garrison says in JFK that it's our tax dollars, those are our files. That this this is this belongs to the American people. Not some in bureaucratic organization way off in DC in some building walled off somewhere. It belongs to the people. You know, and if these institutions Cover up stuff like this. They lie about reasons for war. Then it's like, well, where are we going? Where are we going as a democratic republic? Where are we going as a republic? Do we have a republic?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: And, and I think it the, the, the goes back to the quote. I don't know. Was it Thomas Jefferson? Dissensions, the highest form of patriotism. And mm-hmm. I, I agree. I love my country. I love America. Yeah. I'm very proud. Me too. My my brother in law just graduated from uh, Navy boot camp. He's in the military, and I don't want to see him sent off somewhere to some bullshit war for bullshit reasons that are just going to line the pockets of a a few wealthy people who are building a summer home down in Virginia.
0: Yeah. To grasp onto like the final tendrils of like the post-war American empire. You know what I mean? Like what a hell of a thing to die for, you know?
2: And I just really feel like the anti-war movement kind of died after the Iraq war. And with the election of Barack Obama, a lot of people went to sleep. And um, I think that's really unfortunate. And that's one of the reasons why we're in the situation we're in now 20 years later.
0: Yeah, and, and to that point in, in the interval, right, I think that uh, what is flabbergasting to me is that I actually think that the ultimate kind of medium to longer term aftermath of the WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden revelations is that people gave up. You know, it wasn't yeah. like there was there was like a brief moment of outrage and then it was just kind of like, well, you know, fuck it. We can't control them. You know, like it was it was a total surrender on the part of the populace on that notion that we are entitled to know and that we are not to be spied upon and that they can't do things as a separate entity from us as if we are you know what I mean like that that's contrary to the entire basis of the of the nation and the form of government and liberal democracy as a whole but we've given up a lot of people are afraid
2: to speak out too guys I mean yes (laughs) self-censorship is a real thing man it's unfortunately a real thing you know, which is sad. But is. I still think we we live in a beautiful country. We really do live in a beautiful country. And I've loved seeing when you guys did your trip there, all the states you visited and all the cool stuff you photographed. And it's to me, that's, that's part of what it's all about. I mean, we live, we live in this country where there's almost several different countries within the country. I mean, I, right. I was in Texas earlier this year. Yeah. I love I love Texas. Texas I loved, is a cool place. I love yeah. the people down there, man. One of my best friends lives down there with his family, and and the barbecue. We were talking about bar. I mean, yeah, this whole country has so many cool things, and most people are inherently good, and and they care, and they're helpful, and they're proud of of their families and their friends and their communities. But there's just this. There's just something that's happened where so much of our society has been, you know, corporatized, and it's been, um kind of I don't know we, we, we've just been we've been uh, beaten down in a lot of ways our spirits have been have been beaten down by this permanent warfare state and the surveillance state and all the bad news that we see on the corporate media every day that's why I, I haven't wa- I don't watch the news I haven't watched MSNBC or Fox or CNN or I've got rid of cable in 2009 I don't look nice. at that stuff I mean obviously yeah. I want to pay attention to what's going on but I don't need them to tell me what to think or what the news is. I try try to read as much as I can in different sources and then suss it out between the lines. Um, But it's just, it's a lot of fear based stuff. And certainly in the last three years, we've seen uh, fear be a a powerful tool to uh, silence and and to, you know, ice dissenting voices. So that's why I think it's more important than ever and incumbent on us to uh, keep talking about things like this because if we don't eventually no one's going to talk about it and it's just going to we'll just be living in our uh, our metapods, you know, our AI metapods, <laughs> not caring about this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And actually wait, something you just said made me a little concerned because, you know, I I do have I do have this like, you know, well-known affinity for morning joe, right? But I don't want anybody who who sees my love of morning joe to ever come away with the impression that you should get your information from that show. Oh no! You know? I mean, him watch that program yeah. because I want to know what they think. You know, because they're my I, favorite fake 1950s family that's a mouthpiece for the intelligence industry. You know, I love and like it. it's entertaining. Yeah, it's entertaining, and they will just straight up tell you what the official line is today they don't even you know? try to
2: hide it anymore they have generals on they have intelligence oh, people yeah. on they they have had,
0: the... some of those guys god they've been there since the iraq war days like barry mccaffrey they they bring on colonel jack jacobs you know the same goddamn intelligence mouthpieces from 20 years ago same guys um except now they've added people you know they got like the john brennans you know oh. they got you know um people like that it was just like you know that's the head of the cia saying that thing You know, or it's um, Richard Haas, you know, the former president of the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah, I do want to know what he thinks, but don't listen to that man, you know. (laughs)
2: That should become your gospel, and that's the problem. You get people on the right who think Fox News and, like, OAN and, and like, Mike Lindell is their godhead. Then you got people on the left who think that, like, the Washington Post and New York Times, MSNBC and CNN are the gospel. And I just say to all of them, great, watch all that, but please look at Something else. Read Whitney Webb's research. Look at uh, independent media like uh, you know Jason Burmes or Mint Press News or The Intercept. Although The Intercept, not so much these Yeah, days. The
0: Intercept is a little bit. But you uh, know uh, um, Matt Green- Taibbi does a good job still on the racket. Glenn Greenwald is still doing a really good
2: job. Um, as cartoonish as Tucker is, and his father was intelligence. Look at what Tucker's saying too. Look at what everybody's saying. Tucker says game. a lot of true things. He's been he, you know, at least he apologized for his his awful take on the Iraq. He was he was a cheerleader for the Iraq war. I remember. And, you, and I, yeah, was not, I, remember, I was not I was not a fan of his. Too. Yeah, I, and he was a real mouthpiece. And apparently he was on a lot of cocaine when he was doing Crossfire. That came out too. Not surprised. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. But, but and you know what? People can change, but also, uh, you know, a lot of what people espouse depends on their paycheck too. So that that, that comes into play. So. I just think, I guess the takeaway is, you know, everybody use your own discernment and uh, make up your own mind and try not to let some corporation do your thinking for you, which is getting increasingly harder day by day. And everything that we consume from television to what we learn in school to the news to uh, the films that we watch and even some of the books that we read. So, you know, and, and uh, I saw you post about the Beatles there, about the now and the new <laughs> Beatles song. And uh, I, you know, your point, uh, I'm in a band, and most of the guys in my band agree with what you said about it.
0: <laughs> and,
2: and, and to my, me, oh, what's that?
1: My conspiracy theory that is, like, not really founded on anything but intuition is that it is an AI fake song completely.
2: Right. Yeah, I've heard, and, and, and it's funny, I joke with my brother, because we are a huge Beatles, I mean, I've been a massive Beatles fan since I like the Beatles, don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> but, but at the same time, they're not the gospel either, and they're not beyond criticism, and there's, of course, there's conspiracy theories that the Beatles is just all like a Tavistock mind control thing, all the girls screaming at the shows, it's all staged, mm. they didn't write their own music, I, I've, I've they deep-dived all that stuff. Interesting, yeah. uh, interesting. But, and then there's also stuff about the whole Laurel Canyon scene. We can get into that when I have you guys on. But okay, that, but cool, my, cool. my point is that doesn't take away from how good the music is and how much I love the music, um, sure, and the yeah. songs. But with the new one, yeah, the cynical thing is, is the report in the media about AI being involved. And from what I understand, they used an AI program to separate John Lennon's vocals from the piano, which was on the demo track he recorded in 1977 at the Dakota. And so they were left with Lennon's actual vocals, and then Paul and Ringo recorded all the new stuff, and they had guitar uh, tracks yeah. from George in the 90s. But it's, it, is it possible the whole thing's an off? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But, I mean, the fact, the fact
1: that it's called Now and Then, I'm, it's just too perfect. It's just, I don't know. There's yeah. Some,
2: it's just,
1: something
0: doesn't ring yeah, true it's about not, it. It does seem a little too perfect.
2: Well, there's that, There's also, there, it's funny, there's a couple of things about it that you, you read, and you're like, are they pulling my leg or what? Like, one thing is, so, famously, when they got together in the 90s for the anthology to reunite, obviously, Lennon had been dead for 14, 15 years. Yoko gave Paul a tape that had Real Love and Free as a Bird and Now and Then on it. Okay,
1: it was on that tape. I was just saying, like, I was just saying this last night, like, why, that why thing, did yeah. they do those other two songs at that time and not that one?
2: Well, so they started, according according to the official story, they started working on Now and Then and George thought it was garbage. And he didn't oh, like it. it was going to wait till he died. <laughs> George
0: George
2: George didn't like it. Oh, it's garbage! I don't like it. And he, apparently, he recorded some guitar tracks, um, but the problem was they didn't have the technology to clean up John's vocals. So that's why they had to wait till years later for Peter Jackson.
1: Sounds true to me either, though. Like,
2: hey, I'm I'm just going on the official, the official Beatles cover. <laughs> I'm, I'm being the Beatles cover-up artist for this one. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. are yeah, yeah. like on the, their side. I'm a, I'm a John Lennon apologist. Um, John John's my favorite Beatle. I, I have real affinity for John Lennon um, and the Beatles. But yeah, I mean, you know, you, you you hear conflicting reports about stuff, and at the end of the day, that that's a that's a a cash monster like Apple mm-hmm. and, and and you know they got the Cirque du Soleil stuff and. Who knows in, in 10 years if, if someone's like, oh, look, look what I found in a drawer. I found this unreleased Beatles album. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who know, Who knows? Who knows? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's fun, though. It's fun to talk about. And yeah. uh, I had a fellow on my show named David Whelan, who's got a book and a documentary coming out about the Lennon assassination called Give Me Some Truth. Oh, and, and, uh, uh, You know, I, I never really looked too deeply into Lennon shooting um I think, and this is probably like a lot of people with that and with the Kennedy assassination, it's, it's very difficult to look at because it is an emotional thing. It's awful to face. Um, but there's stuff about Lennon's death that are pretty. that's pretty fishy too. And uh, David Whelan's done a three-year investigation into it, and he's going to be releasing his book this month. So I'll be that's interested in kind of it. And I, that's had a- him, I had him on the show too. It was, and oh, I'd was like a, to check that one out. Yeah, it was an interesting chat. If you guys want to have him on, I could probably give you his contact info if you ever want to go down that rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. Sweet.
2: Sweet. Yeah. I'll,
0: (laughs) I'll I'll definitely check out your interview though, for sure. That sounds, that sounds really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really Um, looking forward to the event guys,
0: you know? Yeah, me uh, too. Me too. Yeah, I, th- I feel like this is a good place to wrap it. Um, oh wait, I just want oh. to bring.
1: I wanted to bring up one more thing. Oh yeah, guys. Yeah. Like so, obviously, I don't have like the deep like Kennedy knowledge that you guys have, but I wanted to ask. You were you, doing
0: other things in middle
2: school, I've, apparently. I
1: was like pretty obsessed with the Beatles, honestly. Like.
2: <laughs> oh, well, I, I want to hear all your Beatles theories, Zoe.
1: Um, but but well, I wanted to ask you though, in case this is something I've like asked a couple of people about recently. Um, when I was in high school we had to watch a couple of times this, like, it was, like, definitely, like, a made-for-school film. It was about a kid who was running for class president, and he was obsessed with JFK, and, like, he had left, like, a research paper to the last minute, and the school, it was, like, a teaching research skills. Like, this was the first time I ever heard about microfilm. Like, I just remember that detail. Like, he had to go to the library and, like, use microfilm to write his paper. And it was about, like... The Bay of Pigs and like how Kennedy like had you know this like dark time but then you know he like got himself out of it and it was like this kid was having his dark time like not having finished his research paper but he got himself out of it do you know what I'm talking about like <laughs> did you watch this I I want to find this again I can't find any trace of it on the internet when I like wow. look this up but I, I, I remember it very vividly.
2: <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. No, that sounds fascinating, though. I, that sounds like something I'd like to see. And me too. I've
0: never yeah. heard it's of it either, like, though.
1: It's like a half hour, like watch this in your, you know, in your history class before you learn how to write a research paper type deal. Unless
0: it's like a giant Mandela effect thing for you, you know, like. I, <laughs> I feel like I saw
1: it twice.
2: Like, <laughs> we all saw, We saw the publishers' clearinghouse checks. We all saw them. You know, right. but, but we, but we didn't. <laughs> the, the Mandela effect, right? Stuff that Wait, we did. is that, that was...
0: a thing we did? Like we didn't see the publisher's yeah, that's question? not a real thing. Supposedly, either. that's what? part of the
2: man. That's part of the Mandela effect. Supposedly. I
0: know. I saw those checks. I, 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 I saw I, those checks. We all did.
2: Wasn't it Ed McMahon going to people's house? <laughs> they erased that too. They erased that.
1: With the Berenstain
0: Bears.
2: Oh, the logos, uh, all kinds of stuff. They, they they would
0: knock on people's door with a check. They've, no? been, fuck,
2: they've been fucking with us our whole lives, guys. Let's just um, go to Infowars.com, Prison planet. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna. You're a demon like Kamala
0: Harris. Yes, that's another one. I remember that cornucopia. Yeah, that,
1: that was somebody was telling me that's how they learned what a cornucopia was. It was
2: the fruit of the loom cornucopia yeah, that which doesn't exist? Yeah. Dad, isn't that the underwear? Right. The, the yeah. Zon-
1: there's a cornucopia in that logo, right?
2: Absolutely, no. no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never was, barely. They say. All right, we got a lot to talk about when we come on to your show.
2: Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll do it like a happy hour. We'll do it like five,
0: six o'clock. Yeah. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We thought about being real alcoholics, but instead we started to go. Decided
2: to go like the Ben Affleck. Um, J. Lo Root. I love, you know? I love yeah. that motif. You, you guys are, like, totally cosmopolitan and worldly and cultured, but you also love Duncans, and I really love That's that right. about you guys. That's right. Because I'm with you. I, 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 my roots, man. America yeah. runs on Duncan, you
0: know? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, so, event is this Friday, Friday night, in the 1833 room of the Peterborough Town Library, 7 o'clock to 10 p.m. Do, do you remember if we're allowed to, like, BYOB at a private event at the library?
1: I have no
0: idea. Well, I don't mm. want to speak to that. bring bring some, and we won't stop you. And if someone <laughs> officially is there to stop you, we can't speak to that. But um,
2: I don't know if Corinne will listen to this far in the episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll, we'll do we'll do a flask in honor of Ted, Uncle Teddy. Exactly. You know, we'll have will we'll, we'll do we'll do a um we'll okay. have a t- so we'll I was, have a I was at his final victory speech. Ted uh, Kennedy. I saw Ted Teddy speak too. So uh, when was when would that have been? 08 or 06 or Yeah, I think it was um 06. I think it was 06. Yeah. I, I saw him in um Nashua or Manchester campaigning for John Kerry in 2004. Cool. So I, yeah. I saw him and Teresa Hines in person. Nice. Um, yeah,
0: I I like Steady. I don't care what anybody says.
2: Oh, oh, Uncle Ted? Yeah. Yeah, I mean we we can we can talk about Chappaquiddick and that film that came out a couple years ago and senatorial privilege and all there there's all kinds of stuff with with that too. I mean he, he went on TV and said, hey, it's up to the Massachusetts voters if you want to reelect me. And guess what? They kept reelecting him every time. I know. Right? I know. Seriously. Democracy
0: at work. Um, I'll, leave, I'll leave the viewers with one final piece of good advice, though, going back to some of the things we were saying earlier. And hopefully you can make it to the event, and we'll, we'll talk about this some more, regardless of where you fall on these issues. But I, I think that the number one thing that's important for all of us to do you know we were talking about the media and different sources and how we get our information how we form our worldview and stuff It's like it's very common today I feel like for otherwise intelligent and educated people to be like well I'm not an expert so I cannot form an independent opinion based on what I think and and what I read and that's horseshit you know let your con. This sounds cheesy, but let your conscience be your guide. Like if something feels right, and something, you know, you you should read the news not based on like what what you think, you know, the the, the line of your party is or whatever. But like, how does that sit with you? How do you? How does that match up with your values and your morals? You know what what. You know, how, how does that all shake out? And that should really inform what you think, much more than what some commentator says or Heather Cox Richardson, historical mumbo-jumbo, um, whatever else you're going to read. Trust your conscience. And that is the final piece of good advice for it. today. Happy Saturday, it. happy Veterans Day, happy Diwali, and we will see you Friday night. Until then, continue to take good advice. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming on. We will definitely do... Uh, we'll we'll come on your show and we'll have a, we'll have a nice time.
2: Absolutely, thank you for having me. It was it was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll talk to you soon. All right.